Well, this morning we are um, going to be talking about spiritual formation. Because the reality is that formation is happening to all of us. Um, spiritual formation is not just something that is for the spiritually elite. Spiritual formation is not just something that is for um, the people who maybe are like really super eager and this year for New Year's decided that their resolution was that they wanted to be formed, um, that they wanted their life to be formed. Every one of us and every person around us is on a journey of transformation throughout our entire life, every day. You can think of the most despicable person that comes to mind. And on the other hand, you could think of the most admirable person. Those two people did not become, or did not, they weren't born the way they became, right? They weren't born that way, but their life was a process of formation that caused them to have a certain character a certain character about their lives. We all are becoming a certain type of person. The best and the worst of us are all in process, either towards wholeness in Christ or a more dehumanized way of being. That's just kind of the reality of life. Spiritual formation is happening to all of us, and so this morning we wanted to spend some time um, looking at this process that God uses to shape and form our lives. Yeah, I think about this process, and I think about um, asking our boys to do chores. Here, here's why. We'll ask them to do something, and their body posture will immediately change. And come on, it's the same for all of us, right? When we know that we've got to do something heavy, when we know that we've got a daunting conversation or task, responsibility in front of us, there's a way that we respond. And, and the reason that I, I bring this up is because when we, when we see our boys respond a certain way for something really, what we deem really simple, can you please take out that small recycling bin? And when they respond a certain way, what we're learning to say back to them in that moment is, you are teaching your heart how to respond here. A, a formation's happening, right? And so when, when something is ahead of you, when, when, when you're being asked to do something, you've already learned to do this, right? For, formation's taking place all the time. And how we respond, how we, how we engage in a certain place, it, it matters. And that's why one of the, the key things that the Bible teaches the people of God is be thankful in all things. Why? Because your heart's being formed. Because a work of formation is taking place. So we want to look at, the, we want to look at a, um, a grounding passage for us here as, as we go forward and talk about spiritual formation. is going to be Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. It'll come up on the screen, and I will ask you to stand up with me as we read Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. I'm reading from the NRSV, and it says this. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Please have a seat. Why Abraham? Because there's, there's, we're going to bring up a definition of spiritual formation here in a moment, but what we want you to highlight, what we want to highlight and for you to see in the story of Abraham is this, is God chooses a man named Abraham, and God is going to form Abraham, shape Abraham, 
But what's extremely important for us to grasp is, is that it will be through Abraham that all of the nations will be blessed. It'll be through him that the nations will be blessed. So the process that takes place in Abraham's life is God calls Abraham. Abraham must say yes to that calling, and he must now leave how life was. That is no small statement there in verse 1. Leave your kindred. That's no small thing for us here in today's day and age, but imagine there, your family, your kindred, that was your tribe, that was your security, that was your history. You did not just pick up and go, but God is saying, leave that household and learn a new way. And it isn't it interesting that when Jesus shows up, he calls a, peop- a disciple to himself, and what does he say? Come follow me, and the action that takes place for some of those disciples' lives is they leave their father's nets and they begin to follow Jesus. There's something that happens, right, where we must now we must leave what was and now begin to follow Jesus in his ways. And and if you read through the book of Genesis, it is humorous, it is disastrous. And it is beautiful how Abraham and his descendants learned to follow the ways of the Lord versus the ways of the people around them. But we see this principle established in Abraham's life. God calls the one for the sake of the many. God calls the one for the sake of the many. And, and so when we think about spiritual formation, we want to use this definition um, that we came across from Robert Mulholland Jr. And his book, um, An Invitation to Journey, we right absolutely here. recommend. And the majority of uh, our time together this morning, we'll be reflecting a lot of the principles that Robert Mulholland is, is bringing up. But he defines spiritual formation as this, a process of being formed in the image of Christ for the sake of of others. Yeah, and so we'll um, spend a little bit of time this morning just going through those, um, those four different points, and so we'll start out with a process. Um, the reality, um, and sometimes what we might think of as the unfortunate reality, is when we give our lives to Jesus, he doesn't just zap us and transform us into a person who thinks behaves, believes differently than we did before, right? But the reality is it is a process of continual change that the Holy Spirit does in the life of a follower of Jesus. It's a journey towards Jesus that never ends for the believer. And our spiritual growth is patterned after our physical growth. And so just like you don't expect a baby to be transformed into a full-blown adult overnight, thank God, right? Um, so it's the case for us that, that it is a, a gradual change and growth and maturing in Jesus that happens in our life. And I say it's unfortunate because there are places in my life that I wish God would just zap and change overnight, right? There are times that God does a miraculous work of transformation in us. And I think those times are sort of like what we see in the life of a child where there are growth spurts that happen, right? You'll have growth spurts. We, um, when we, the beginning of a new school year in the fall, and we'll see our boys' um, friends at school, right? We haven't seen them over the summer. And some of them are just amazingly transformed because they had a growth spurt over the summer. They might have grown three or four inches. Um, Their voice might have dropped a couple of levels, right? There are growth spurts that happen in our walk with Jesus as well. But the reality is there was a lot of unseen change that was going on behind the scenes that God was doing over a period of time when it didn't look like anything was changing, but the Holy Spirit was at work in the, in the background, in the quiet places of our life. And then it only seemed like there was sudden change because 
we, we got an unveiling of what the Holy Spirit had been doing uh, within us. A Canadian theologian, Mark Buchanan, says that becoming like Jesus doesn't happen quickly for anyone. God made people to grow slowly. As in the physical, the emotional, the intellectual, so in the spiritual, Buchanan writes, we are made to mature at a snail's pace. Though snails, of course, mature much faster. <laughs> Growth spurts happen and there's seasons um, where it seems like God has done a, a great transformation in us, where he has done a great transformation in us. And then there are other seasons um, where, like, like our, our physical life, it doesn't seem like much has happened. But God has been and is still at work because growth is an everyday process of following Jesus. I'd say the, you know, some of the, the heartbreak of, of ministry, particularly having a history of doing ministry with high school students and college students, is we've seen story after story where things get difficult. Things didn't play out how those students imagined life would have played out. They didn't get into the college that they were hoping for. They didn't get the job that they were hoping for. They, something fell through in their life. And I mean, it's a story for, for all of us that takes place. And a lot of times whatever's happening, if we have this crisis of faith. And the problem is, is if, if we if we don't see that spiritual formation is a process, when we hit these dark moments, when we hit these difficult seasons, we end up thinking something's broken. God's abandoned me. I don't know if this is working. I don't, like, and we, we can throw in the towel in these spaces. But when we see that life is a process, that formation specifically is a process, we recognize that it's actually in, in those deep, dark places that the Lord is doing his most formative work in our lives. A parable, one of the only, there's a handful of parables that are told across all four Gospels. One of them that appears, I don't I actually don't know if that's true. I thought it, it was. But one of the, the anchoring parables in, in the scriptures that Jesus tells is the parable of the sower. And what's intriguing about the parable of the sower is he describes the formation that takes place in some seeds' lives. And if we were to watch the formation that takes place in some of those initial seeds' lives, we would be ecstatic. Because what does he describe? Some of those seeds just shoot up. But then he says, the sun comes. Right? The, the seasons change. And, that's, and that seed, that plant, withers and fades away. And what's intriguing is what he describes, the one that grows is the one that dies. The one goes down deep. It's, it's a dying process that takes place. And that is the one that produces a fruit that is 30, 60, 100 times more. Spiritual formation is a process and and we then that means that we need to have a humble and patient heart that trusts that the lord is up to something good and that he really is truly is lord of all and and the other thing that i would also encourage us to recognize in the, in that space of recognizing if, if if spiritual formation is a process then then there will be times where I get distracted, there will be times I get discouraged, but I can return. I can return back to the Lord. And in those spaces in my life where I'm discouraged, distracted, wandering away from him, man, every day is filled with thousands of opportunities to learn what it is to return back to the presence of Jesus. Yeah, and if spiritual formation is a process, then that means that every day and every circumstance that we face is the, the breeding ground for God to do something in our life, right? The good, the bad, the difficult, those are all the perfect place 
for God to do a work in us and a work through us. And if we don't see spiritual formation as a process, I think one of the, um, the side effects of this is that we will see um, what circumstances caused us to grow in the past, and we will try so hard to recreate those particular circumstances. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like, whatever it was that, that caused this, this great growth in Jesus, we're going to start thinking that that's the formula that needs to happen for us to, to grow or change again. Instead of realizing that God is using every circumstance. We don't have to try to recreate something for the Holy Spirit to be able to work. We just need to faithfully take the next step, trusting that God is going to use whatever comes in our life to bring about change and transformation. And if spiritual formation is a process, then the reality is it's not an option for us. It's not something we get to opt in of or out of. Again, like we said at the opening, everyone is in this process of formation. It's unfortunately kind of like being in a lazy river at a water park, right? If you're in the lazy river at the water park and you put your feet up in a floaty, you're going to move along, right? You're going you're gonna to be moving whether you're doing anything or not because the river is taking you. But following Jesus is like putting our feet down in that lazy river and trying to go against the current, trying to go upstream on the path towards wholeness in Christ. This involves intentional commitment to the process of wholeness that God is doing in our life. So the question really is, what path are we on? What path of spiritual formation are we currently on? As you tell that story, I think about our honeymoon in Jamaica. You remember, we were, we... I do remember. You remember, the, yes, hopefully. <laughs> Thank you. Um, we went on this excursion, and it was a hike up a waterfall, and we were told by the, the tour guide that we were meant to get into it like a big human chain and hold hands with one another. And the guy behind Larissa was, he was high out of his mind. And, and then the ladies on the other side of you were not able to walk very well. <laughs> no. And so the, we were like, we were pulling people up a mountain with us. Like, we were like, let's go. And we got that. We're, we're chained together and we're just like going there. But, but the people that we were carrying, they naturally wanted to move downward with gravity. And we wanted to go forward up this waterfall. And it was a process. It was a process. And we just recognize, right, that that's what a lot, that's a picture of spiritual formation, man. It's like, if, if you're not intentionally going forward, you're going to be pulled downward. Yeah. I don't recommend that trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, it's a process. Next, we'll look at, it's a process of being formed. Spiritual formation is a journey into becoming people who love and serve like Jesus did. Here's maybe the, the, the subtle change that needs to happen in our minds if it hasn't happened already. God's responsible for your formation. He's the one forming you. You do not have the ability <laughs> to change your heart the way that you want. And, 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 and the good news really is, right, the people of God are looking, they're in this process together. You look at the Hebrew scriptures, and eventually what you find out is that, the, that suddenly the prophets begin to write out these prayers that are, and this, this revelation from the Lord's Spirit that just is like, we need a new heart. Mm -hmm. That's the solution here. <laughs> because we, we try as we might, it, it just hasn't stuck the way that we wanted. And, and, and the change that needs to take place in our mind is, is we are being acted upon. And our responsibility is responding. See, what we're not talking about here is self-help. I'm the self that got myself into this mess. <laughs> I don't need help from me. <laughs> I need some help from someone outside of me. 
it's not self-help where we act to bring about our desired results, but spiritual formation is this place of saying, I must learn to release control so that the Lord accomplishes the work that he wants to accomplish. And if I'm being acted upon and he's the one that's doing the forming, then it's not my goals. It's his. Yeah, because the definition we're working with this morning, a process of being formed, right? It's, it's not a process of us forming ourselves. So the difference here really is control. And if we are honest with ourselves and with each other, um, we want to be in control, right? We want to be in control of just about everything in our life and other people's lives. Um, but when it comes to our formation, we want to be in control of that, in control of the process, in control of what changes in our life, when it changes, how it changes, how quickly it changes, right? Like most of us kind of have our, our hit list of things that we would fix about ourselves if we could. But the process of spiritual formation is learning to hand, open our hands and, and give those things to the Lord and trust in his process, in his goals, in his timeline for our lives. A, a quote from uh, Mulholland is this, that our spiritual journey is not our setting out to find God, but a journey of learning to yield ourselves to God and discovering where God will take us. Mm-hmm. It's a journey of yielding to God's purposes. Yeah. And then it, being formed in the image of Christ the image of Christ, because this is who we were created to be. But this image, this, this purpose in our life has been distorted. Christ-likeness is not something that is alien to humanity. But if we go back to the beginning of, of Scripture, the story of God forming the heavens and the earth and creating humanity... He made humanity, what? In his image, right? We were made to be the image of God. That word in the Old Testament is actually, it's the the same kind of word that is used when we read through scripture and they talk about idols, right? Images that are formed to represent a God. God doesn't have idols. The God we worship doesn't have an idol because he has us. He formed humanity so that we would be an image, a representation of him to the world around us so that people could see God. But again, the reality is that image of Christ in all of us has become broken and distorted. Our humanity has not done a very good job of reflecting God's image to the world around us. Instead, it's become a broken and distorted image. But in Christ, we together are becoming a people in whom God's image is being restored. The image of God is being restored in us to reflect to the world around us. So here's the painful and uncomfortable part when it comes to this point is that it means that God is treating and restoring the very areas that currently do not look like him within us. It, it means that he is very specifically looking at places of our shame, our vulnerability, our brokenness, our desperation, our fragility. Those are the areas that he wants to tend to. That's why when Jesus shows up on the scene, right, the call out to humanity is, come to me, any of you who are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Come and learn from me. Take my yoke upon you, for it is easy and light. But that call is this understanding that says, I have been trained in a different way already. The way that I have been going, the yoke that I have been carrying is heavy. It's laborsome. 
and it hasn't been rested. And, and this point is to say, I've got to be willing to say yes to the areas that God wants to confront. What is it that he wants to speak to that doesn't currently look like him? There's an incredible quote from Joseph Campbell, and it says this, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. It's, it's those points in our life that we don't want to visit. I, and and it, what it means for my own life is, I, like, let me just use the, I, I fear the dentist. You're right? <laughs> and, and I need to pay special attention to that. Because what I realize what will happen in my life is I start coming up with all of these reasons, excuses, why I don't need to go visit the dentist. And it, what's true about all of us, right, is that there are these areas of shame, of these places of weakness, of vulnerability that we'd rather not talk about because we know, we recognize, that's where I'm weak. I must admit, I... As a family member of, in the Madrano house, I choose board games that I believe I will win in. <laughs> I do not choose board games that I think I'm going to lose in. I just don't. I don't. I, they're sitting in front of my voice. I just was like, I don't want to lose. I don't want to be seen as weak. I don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want those areas of my life to be poked and prodded because, I, because there's shame there. But to be, to be formed in the image of Christ is confrontation. And through scripture, through worship, through fellowship with the body of Christ, through the, the work of the Holy Spirit, God will probe areas in our mm -hmm. lives that we know we are trying to to hide. But why? I want to give you rest. Come to me, any of you who are heavy burdened. Come learn my way. You've been trying your way. And it's only exacerbating those places of shame, guilt, vulnerability, and weakness. He doesn't confront to just call us out and to make us feel worse about ourselves. But he confronts so that he can heal. Yeah, and so if the first step in this process of being formed um, in the image of Christ is confrontation, um, then the second step is consecration. The second step is consecration, where we say yes to God at each of these points of unlikeness to Christ that are in our life, right? That when, when the Holy Spirit works in us to show us these areas, brings these, these areas to the surface, confronts us, it's then our choice whether or not we're going to respond with a yes. Are we going to cooperate with God in the process of transformation that he's doing in our life? We can resist or we can cooperate. And that cooperation is our yes to God's work. And spiritual disciplines and practices, these are one of the ways that we get to say a yes to God. It's one of the ways that we get to cooperate with what it is that he is doing to transform us into the image of God. Dallas Willard, the uh, philosopher and theologian, um, in his book, Renovation of the Heart, says that disciplines, spiritual practices, these are activities that are in our power that enable us to do what we cannot do by direct effort. Scripture in Philippians 2, verses 12 through 13 says, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and act in order to fulfill his good purposes. This verse has always just been one of those paradoxes that has stood out to me, that we're called by God to work out our salvation, but then he immediately follows it up by saying, because it's God 
who's working in us. So which one is it? Right? Are we supposed to be doing the work or is God doing the work? I think that God really loves partnering with people. And he loves partnering with people in our very um, act of being transformed. And so when God invites us to work with him, it's because he is already at work in our life. And our work is to respond and say yes, to cooperate and go along with what it is that he is doing in our lives. Yeah. Why don't you take and so point? finally, um, for the sake of others, like we saw in Abraham's life, God was forming a people to bless who would then be an avenue or the avenue of God blessing the world around them. And God is still doing this work today. He has a people that he is forming. Just like he told Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation. God is forming a people today who he can bless so that through these people, God can bless the world around us. You see, our spiritual formation is not a private affair between us and Jesus. Right? Our, our, our spiritual formation is not just about me and Jesus. Our spiritual formation is about the world. God wants to form us because he longs to bring healing and wholeness to the world around us. Again, in, in this book, Invitation to Journey, um, we read it this way. It is, if we're being formed into the image of Jesus, in the image of Christ, it is the image of one who gave himself totally and completely, absolutely, unconditionally for others. Right? If that's who Jesus is, the one who came to give himself to others, then if we're being formed in his image, then it would make sense that our formation would be so that we, too, can be given to others. This is the direction um, Mulholland writes, this is the direction in which the Spirit of God moves us towards wholeness. If we forget this, we don't have Christian spiritual formation. What we have is some kind of pathological formation that is privatized and individualized. A spiritualized form of self-actualization. Although such forms of spirituality may be very appealing to look at on the outside, quite comfortable in their easy conformity to the values and dynamics of our culture, they are like a whitewashed tomb that has deadness on the inside if they are not life-giving, healing, and redemptive for others. Our spiritual formation, process of being formed in the Im image of Christ, is for the sake of others. Mulholland talks about, I was, I was listening to the audible um, version of the book, because uh, that's how I read books. And, and I'm, I'm on a walk, and I'm listening to him, and he brings up this litmus test. He goes, and he, and he says something along the lines of, evaluate the last year. And if you are not more patient, more loving, more kind, more compassionate, more forgiving than you were a year ago, then you are not being formed in the way of Jesus. Like, I, I, I pressed pause on the Audible book, and I called Larissa, and I said, this guy literally just said, if you are not more loving than you were a year ago, you need to reevaluate your relationship with Jesus. That is not comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> this is the way that John Beloved says it. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. I love the way that Pete Scazzaro phrases it. Love, not ministry activities or spiritual practices, is the measure of spiritual maturity. 
And so we stop and we evaluate and we ask questions like, what is going on in my life? What do I need to identify and bring before the Lord when, I, when I'm in times in my life when I am so impatient, when I'm so unforgiving, when I am so controlling, when I am so volatile? What? I mean, we, we've talked about this before, but, but a lot of times how much my family upsets me says a whole lot more about me than it does about them. Right? And, and that's what we need to identify. Like, if you think about being in the workplace and, and how maybe impatient you might be in the workplace, it might say a whole lot more about what's happening in the inner hidden space of your life than it says about the policies and bureaucracy that's at place in your office. Sitting with family members, extended family members, cousins, the, you know, Thea's. Like, and if there's something that they post on Facebook or you're sitting at a table with them and they say something and it causes you to volcano, like, what's going on within you? What's happening in our hidden spaces? Yeah, because are we becoming the people who are agents of, of the healing, transforming work of God? Or are we people whose, whose reactivity is causing us to spread the disease that's the problem in the first place, right? And, and that's, a, that's a, a tough pill to swallow, right? That's, that's one of those times that we, like, we don't want to look in that mirror, but relationships um, with others, they're not just the testing ground, whether we can see if we're becoming like Jesus or not, but they actually are the, the place where that transformation and growth happens. For some reason, God chooses to transform us in community through relationship with others. We don't become whole people who, who represent the image of, of Christ, we don't become whole on our own. We become whole in community as God's people, as the body of Christ. And it's a, a symbiotic relationship, right, where our health affects the health of the community and the health of the community affects our health. This is how formation happens. We have been formed and we are being formed in the image of Christ alongside others and for the sake of others. And there's this, um, this story that I, short story that I want to read to you about a, a rescue society. There's this rescue society, and along a reef-ridden, rock-bound coast, a small group of people become concerned about those who are losing their lives in the shipwrecks that took place on the reefs and rocks. They formed the Rescue Society for the purpose of saving those who have been shipwrecked. For years, they risked themselves to save others, often losing their own lives for the sake of others. But hundreds were saved who otherwise would have been lost. As a new generation entered the Rescue Society, they decided to perfect their techniques for rescue so that even more could be saved. They began to attend rescue workshops to bring in consultants on the latest rescue techniques to entertain salespeople who touted the latest in rescue equipment. Before long, the maintenance and perfection of the rescue station, its techniques, its equipment, became the focus of the rescue society. One night, while the entire rescue society was attending yet another meeting to perfect their rescue skills, a great passenger liner struck upon a reef and sank. Hundreds of people were lost because there, because there was no one left to go to their rescue. The rescue society had, become, had come to exist for its own perfection and not for the sake of others. Spiritual formation is always for the sake of others. Right, God calls Abraham, and the calling upon him is, I'm going to make your name great. 
And the temptation is to pause right there. To have a great name. I mean, to have praise lavished upon him. But, I mean, God's goal for Abraham is, I'm going to make your name great so that you will be a blessing. So through you, the nations will be blessed. Let's, um, we want to shift and we're going to talk about our rhythms of discipleship. A year ago, we, um, we've introduced and have been slowly implementing and attempting to focus on our rhythms of discipleship here at Faith. Um, they are six areas that we believe that the Lord is forming us in, into his image. Um, there are six areas that we want to keep revisiting and before we get into what the rhythms are as a way of reminder um, or introduction for maybe some in the room, I want to talk about that word rhythms. We've intentionally framed um, our discipleship here at Faith as rhythms because what we want to evoke is the imagery of something that we're learning to play with. It's something that, that, that we're in process over. It's something that's that's, that's in constant revolvement around us. And the other reason that we want to talk about, we frame it as rhythms, is we recognize um, we can't focus on all six rhythms of discipleship at the same time, right? When, when Dominic's up here on stage and he's on guitar with the six strings, he's not just, as far as I know, he's not just, you know, cranking through all six strings, just in, at the same volume, at the same time, but there's, he's playing the strings. He's learning, right, to, to, to highlight and to emphasize one string over another as depending on what the song is calling for. And so we've called them rhythms because we recognize that um, there's something where we would intentionally, like in some seasons of our life, intentionally engage with a couple of rhythms, and then we would be reminded that there are these other rhythms that we also need to engage with. And, and what we also recognize that in our own lives, there are certain rhythms of discipleship, movements of Jesus, that we are naturally attracted to. There are certain, when, when the list comes up, there are going to be certain ones that you just go, yes and amen to. And you're going to be like, I can do those. We also recognize that there are sometimes harder rhythms to engage with. But if we're going to be formed in the wholeness of of who, we see, of who we see Jesus to be, then we recognize there are going to be these other rhythms that I need to learn to adopt. Um, so when we talk about rhythms of discipleship, uh, our six rhythms here at Faith are with Jesus, transformation, life together, relentless welcome, missional living, and naturally supernatural. And we'll talk about each one really briefly here. Yeah, so with Jesus is, is simply the idea that, um, that we want to be a people, first and foremost, um, who focus on Jesus, that, that our lives revolve around him. And so we're learning to slow down to be with Jesus, to slow down and spend time with him, and to not rush ahead to trying to do some great stuff for Jesus, that we forget that our call, first and foremost, has, is come. <laughs> come follow me, right? That, and that's what being with Jesus is. It's, it's that coming and presenting ourselves before Jesus. And what we, what we learn is that as we're with Jesus and as we spend time with him, we notice that, that he begins to change our appetites and our desires and we start longing for um, some different habits and different ways of living than we did previously, but the reality is that being with Jesus is not um, just a means to an end, right? We don't come to Jesus because he transforms us. We come to Jesus because he is the goal, right? Being with Jesus is the goal of our life. And so he's the goal and he's also the path, right? He is the, the one that we are moving towards and he is the way that we move towards him. Next uh, rhythm of discipleship is, is transformation. And the desire, the pursuit here is we want to be a changed people. We don't just want to have behavior modification, 
but what what's happening hopefully within us and the cry of our hearts would be is make us more like you and so we become expectant for transformation we become expectant that there would be a deep inner change that would happen in our uh, lives yeah and life together is Vince had talked about um, John the Beloved, some of his words are, if we love our brother and sister who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life, but a person who has no love is still dead. And so what happens when God gets a hold of our heart? He, he causes there to be a love for others. And so this, this life together is this recognition, recognition like we explored before, that um, our relationships, our life together is the primary location of God's transforming work in our lives. And so together we're learning to, to simply enjoy one another's presence, to, to love being around one another and to love each other to care for each other in incredibly difficult situations, to share our weaknesses together, to have emotionally healthy relationships because God does a work in our lives when we are together. The next one is relentless welcome. Um, the distinction that we would want to always make about this one and life together is, is we can have life together with people that we like naturally. People that we just naturally gravitate towards. Well, now when you isolate these two words, relentless and welcome, that first one, welcome, right? Like you think about a welcome mat, is that it's, you can welcome people that have just made their way towards your house, that have made their way towards you. But when we think about the kind of welcome that we hope to embody and pursue here at faith is that we're relentless in our welcome and we're going to go beyond our natural comfort of welcome we're going to intentionally go pursue people that are not like us right one of the quoted before but one of the things that that got jesus killed was how he ate it was who he ate with. It, he, he upset his hometown. He upset the ways of the culture around him because he went out of his way to welcome those that were far away. And so hopefully with the formation that's taking place within us is that we would be a people that draw near to those, gravitate towards those that are not like us. Mm-hmm. Because again, our formation is for the sake of others. That's what that relentless welcome embodies. Um, next one is, is missional living. Our formation, and for the sake of the world, and so just like God set Abraham apart um, for the nations to be blessed through him, God is on mission in the world. God is on mission to see his kingdom, his rule, his culture, his presence to be here on earth, reconciling all of creation back to himself. And so we're being formed to go embody that kind of kingdom, that kind of culture in the world. And so our, our vocation, whatever our vocation is, um, whether it is um, in the workplace, at home, uh, retired, um, whatever it is that, that God has, has allowed for us to, to spend our day in and day out doing, that is the location that God has given you for your ministry in the world. That is the place that God has planted you because he wants to touch and transform the world through your life. So wherever it is that you find yourself, with family, at work, when you're playing, when you're exploring around the city or world, those are the very places that God wants to work, that he has been at work and that he's inviting you to come see what I'm doing. Come see the work of transformation that I'm doing, the way I am, am recreating the earth. And we get to take part in that work of recreation 
wherever it is that God plants us. And so that, in a nutshell, is what we, what we mean when we talk about a people who have a rhythm of missional living. There's times when Larissa and I get to go to different pastors' gatherings, and um, we'll be going to one next week in, in Austin. And uh, one of the things that gets asked amongst in pastors' gatherings is kind of what denomination are you a part of? And, and we'll mention, we're part of Foursquare. And um, we'll mention, like, yeah, we're Pentecostal. And then there's, like, big eyes that happen in that moment. Like, what kind of Pentecostal are you? Kind of like how, and, and for those of you that don't know, it's, this, it's believing that the Holy Spirit is, is active in, in the lives of, of the church today. Um, we, we believe in the giftings and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Um, right and and so there's and there can be amongst the whole body of christ kind of like this like pentecostals can kind of be the weird cousin off to the side in the corner just like you know are they like just speaking in tongues and 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 swinging all around chandeliers like sometimes is the imagery that people get when they think about pentecostals when we think about when we think about the holy spirit active in the life of the church what we believe is is the Holy Spirit is more present to his people than they realize. Mm -hmm. That God is, is more present to you in the most boring days of your day than you realize. And the other thing that we would emphasize by intentionally framing it as naturally supernatural is, is listen, particularly when you read through the book of Luke, Jesus was the most spirit-filled human being ever. And sinners still wanted to hang out with him. Mm -hmm. Being filled with the Holy Spirit did not make Jesus weird. It made him more attractive to the world. Why? Because who doesn't want a best friend that exudes the gifts of the Spirit? Who doesn't want a best friend that is loving, patient, kind, good, gentle, faithful, and has self-control? I want a friend like that. And that's what we say, that the Holy Spirit just comes upon the church and empowers us to be a gift to the world around us. Yeah, yeah and so as, as a church, as a people, as a community, um, we want to attempt to, to live out these, these discipleship rhythms and to partner with God in his work of spiritual formation in our lives. And so our Sundays together are one place that we, we, we gather to be together, to be with Jesus, to, be, um, to encounter him and to have our lives have transformed and shaped to be able to welcome others. Um, but we, we also have opportunities to, to serve our, our community uh, here to serve one another, um, but also to serve the community in San Diego and the world around us. Um, we have care ministries. Um, we have um, opportunities to show up together to be a people who are missionally living, be a people who are, are naturally supernatural in the world around us for the sake of others. And so we get to be a people who together embody these rhythms uh, when we're gathered but we also get to embody them when we're scattered back around the city. And that's where um, our own personal life with Jesus, again, not private, but our own personal life with Jesus when we're scattered is an opportunity for us to embrace these rhythms together as well. So um, we think about the, the year ahead, um, particularly what's, what's next for us in, in the winter and heading into the spring. Um, we want to invite you to be a part of tables. Um, tables are, are a place where we gather together on Wednesday night. Uh, you can go to the next slide so people can see what the tables are um, for this next upcoming um, season. We'll start January 31st. That Wednesday night we will be in the Fellowship Center. I will make uh, uh, dinner for us. That very first night I'll make dinner for us and we'll talk about how we do sides and stuff uh, from that point forward. But every week I will barbecue something that, that will get to sit around a table together. And particularly what we're hoping to, to continue to establish is relational joy. 
right? If we have life together, it means that we enjoy one another's presence and we get the opportunity to sit around a table with people we normally don't get to sit around a table with. Um, so we'd love for you to be a part of table. Um, and one of the ones that I would highlight for you if you've never gone through it is emotionally healthy relationships. Uh, we do two different um, sessions. One is emotionally healthy spirituality, which we offered last year. And then the start of this year, we're going into emotionally healthy relationships. You could start with either one. Um, but it's this way to say that if, if love is that marker of spiritual maturity, right, we need to actually stop and, and consider how are we being discipled in the way that we love one another? How are we being shaped so that we might love one each other better? And so a lot of it's practical tools of just how can you have emotionally healthy relationships with the people around you? Um, so we'd love for you to be a part of that. You see the other um, tables that would be hosted uh, during that time. So we'd again, we'd love for you to be a part of table, a space for us to sit around together, to laugh with one another, to enjoy good food, to learn what it is to have life together, um, and then different ways um, that we'll be pursuing formation in Jesus. And then the last thing that I would mention is um, the very first Sunday in February, we are going to be starting a new sermon series, and that sermon series is going to be on the Holy Spirit. And I'm really looking forward to what it looks like um, for us to, to gather together and say, how can we be more aware of the Holy Spirit active, not only in our lives, but active in the world around us? Because God is more present, not only to you than you realize, but God is more present in the world around you than you realize. Um, so if you would, um, would you stand with us this morning? Thanks for going along with us um, as we look at, at spiritual formation, at the way God um, is, is changing and shaping our lives together. Um, and, and let's pray as we present our lives before God and in a way that continues to say, God, I, I'm saying yes to your work. I want to cooperate with the things that you're doing in my life. I want to let go of control and allow you to shape me the way that you want. I'm gonna pray us through Psalm 139, the last two verses there. Um, and those verses say, search me, O God. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Lord, we come before you, and maybe it takes courage to say so right now, but we say, Lord, search us. Know the depths of our heart. Teach us to be a people that know what it is to slow down so that we might be able to be more aware of your presence with us. We stop. We learn to breathe and rest. Lord, if there are areas of our life that are frantic, if there are areas of our life that we stop and we think about, yeah, they, that causes a lot of shame or guilt within us. Lord, if there's areas in our life, in our hearts, that, that are just places of, not just, but that they are places of hurt, they're places of weakness within us. Lord, we say search those areas. Take us deeper into those spaces. Do we think about that quote from, from Campbell that the cave that we fear to go to holds the treasure that we seek. So search us. Know our anxiousness. Lord, deal with the offensive ways that exist within me. Deal with any space of my life that does not look like you. Lord, if there's pride, if there's arrogance, if there's hostility, if there's violence, if there's, if there's abuse or addiction or anything that might exist within me, Lord, we pray, lead us in the way of everlasting. 
teach us afresh what it means to learn your ways. And Lord, I just pray specifically for this community of people that you, you would cause us to go deeper into your love this morning. Would you, would you reignite a passion, a desire for you within us? Lord, would, would our hearts today, may, may today even be that, what, what feels like this catalytic moment, we recognize, Lord, you've been working in the background for so long, and today is just finally the day that that seed finally pierces through the soil. And, and Lord, so what I, I'm, I'm asking there, here for this community is that there would just be something that would happen within this community today where we would have a deeper desire to, to reside with you, to abide with you. Create within us, Lord, a, a fire. Lord, so that we, we are a people that are passionate about you, that we would be a people that would desire to, to be near you, to be with you. May we hunger and thirst for you, Jesus. May we be a people that fall in love again with our first love. As we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.